We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. He turns. He fires for the win. He's got the bucket at the buzzer. back to Bibby. Has the open shot. Ladies and gentlemen, up on those feet, put those hands together. And we'll meet tonight starting five for your Sacramento Kings. Welcome to the Kings Beat Podcast. I am James Ham. Joining me today, we have Brendan Nunes from the Kings Pulse Podcast. Brendan, how are you while we wait for Sean? I'm doing well. Um, Sean is out picking a proper candle for the occasion and uh, just a little bit behind, but I'm doing well. Making sense of this trade that uh, just happened not long before we kicked this off. Yeah, yeah, there's a, a big trade that uh, we'll get to. Um, we are waiting for Sean to pop on. He, he'll be here any minute. He's got a, he's at work, and he's trying to transition to jumping on the show and, and hanging out with us. Um, but uh, it's, it's trade season. It's uh, draft season. It's crazy time. All kinds of things are happening. Uh, we'll just start with the basics. If you are here watching on YouTube, we appreciate all of you joining us. Uh, and if you don't mind, uh, give us a thumbs up. And if you want to comment, you got to be a subscriber. So subscribe here to the channel on YouTube. And that's the way to, uh, so you can actually comment, um, in the, in the live chat. Um, also, uh, jump on board with the King's beat. We keep growing and having, we're having a great time, uh, producing all kinds of draft content and free agent content and everything else that's going on right now. Um, it's going to be like, by all accounts, it's going to be a wild, like two weeks. Um, and, and I don't know how it's all going to pan out in the end and we don't know what's going to go on with the Kings, but make sure you're following us here at the Kings beat, uh, become a premium subscriber to the Kings beat. So you get access to everything, including the happy hours. Um, and so that's the business side. Um, Brendan, we've been, uh, you and I both have been diving like really deep into draft coverage, uh, examining all these prospects, watching tape, uh, on everybody. Um, let's start there. Like, where are you at with your draft process? 
uh, when you're looking at like the pick uh, number 24. Of course, Kings have pick 24. They've got pick 38. They've got pick uh, 54. And uh, everything kicks off on on Thursday at 5 o'clock with the NBA draft starting. But where are you at with just, you know, what the Kings have right now that's sitting in front of them? And and how wild do you think this uh, first round is going to be? I mean, I think that it's pretty wide open after someplace in late teens or early 20s. I think that there's a point there that you reach a different tier that's pretty wide. And there's a chance that, you know, there's guys that maybe some people end up liking the idea of them at 24. They go a different direction and then you're up at 38 and realize some of those guys are still available. Like, I think that this is it's really hard to figure out. Uh, what's going to go on towards the back end of this draft. But there is a lot of wing and forward talent, and that's a lot of what Sacramento needs. Um, There's a lot of promising defensive guys that have the question of, um, okay, but if they can shoot or they have to be able to shoot or what is their shooting going to look like? Um, But there's a lot of guys with defensive upside. You can sort of take your bet there, or you can – look at some of the offensive upside that's here. Like they, they have a lot of different ways to go about this. And I think that both 24 and 38, you have an opportunity to potentially go for an upside swing or a guy that you maybe think can fill a hole that you have on your roster right now. Yeah. When I'm going through the draft prospects all around 24, you know, realistically, when you're at this point in the draft, there's two different types of players. There are, your seasoned veteran players, and then they're just shots in the dark. And the Kings have erred on the side of caution the last three drafts uh, under Monty McNair and Wes Wilcox, where they have looked at more mature players for the most part. Um, the only young guy that they've drafted really is um, is Jemias Ramsey uh, out of their, their three drafts. Outside of that, everyone else has been at least a two-year college player um, there's been a couple of three and four year college players. Um, they're guys with proven track records. So when I'm looking at the draft at this section, I almost start looking at it the way that the Kings would look at it. And that's not because I, I want to ignore some of the talent that's there, uh, but it's because I'm looking at the way that they've drafted sort of their modus operandi. And I'm going basic some of my assumptions on who they might go for off of that. And I think it's, it's probably like, it's not a bad way to analyze this group, but I think there are some players here with some tremendous upside. And I think that's where you get into like an interesting debate. Do you think that they'll, they'll handle 38 and 24 the same? Or do you think that, you know, they could go like a tremendous upside guy with one of those picks and then try to hit a solid base hit with the other? I mean, that's what I would prefer. Um, I think I do just enjoy having an upside swing though. I think there's a just sense of excitement uh, surrounding that, that personally I enjoy a little bit. So I I think that it could go either direction. They could take two upside swings. They could take two safe guys. Um, Like there's really, I I know that's not really answering your question, but I think my point is there is a lot of options here and it's really hard to tell who is and is not going to be available. Like, you know, Sean and I, and I believe yourself, James, as well, have talked about like Leonard Miller being a guy that we really like, but probably won't be there. He's been sliding down boards. Like if he's there at 24, you're, I would be really hard to not take Leonard Miller. Um, yeah. And you just don't know who is going to possibly be there. 
Yeah, I think, you know, we talked about Leonard Miller is is one of those guys, right? So it's always interesting. You you get to this point in the draft, and we're starting to see, uh, like, climbers. There's all these people, oh, my gosh, he's moving up draft boards. He's moving up draft boards. We we heard the uh, the reports today, even from Sam Vestney, that uh, Jaime Jaquez is just, like, he's impressed everybody so much with his tenacity, and he's jumping up draft boards, and, like, so, but the thing is that every time someone jumps up a draft board, that means that someone else falls down. And so we get to this point where here we are the day before the draft and Leonard Miller, who, I mean, for my money, I, like, I don't understand what's going on here. Uh, we're talking about six ten. We're talking about like seven, two wingspan, right? Um, like all kinds of offensive game. He goes out in his last like 15 G league games and just dominates a league. Like, like 20 and 10 dominates as like a 18 or 19 year old kid. Like everything tells you that he's got the talent. And then he started to produce and he didn't get an invite to the green room. And so like, usually like the top 20 to 25 players get invited to the green room. I was of the opinion he was going to go in the top 15. I watched enough tape of him that I'm sitting here going, how is he not going in the top 10, maybe even the top seven of this year's draft. But it's very possible that, he's going to fall and he's the guy where I take every other game plan that I have. And I kind of throw it out the window and go, okay, I've got to take the gamble here because he might not be ready to compete this year, but he might be like a Pascal Siakam type talent. And you shouldn't pass up on guys with that much talent, that much size, that much mobility, that much ability to handle the ball, everything else. You're seeing the tools that are there of what could be like a star level player. And I think the trick at 24 is you really need to find as much talent as possible. At 38, you can really try to look for a fit and a need, right? But at 24, you got to look for talent still. Yeah, and you're of the, like, if that talent is a center or a point guard, does that matter to you? At no. 24? Like you've said before, you would take Trace Jackson Davis 24, right? I would take Trace Jackson Davis 24. And, and I love Trace Jackson Davis. I just don't know that spending 24 on a guy that there's like just no way he plays more than 15 minutes that Domas isn't playing. Okay, is but if we if we go back to like the last 10 drafts and we look at the 24th pick, are like four of them rotational players? Yeah. So if right. you can get a guy, whether he's playing 15 minutes or he's playing 25 minutes, like you got to try to find somebody at this pick if you're going to use it. Now I still think that like everything else is on is on the board. Like I, I think that the Kings could easily trade this pick uh, tomorrow. Like we could see them draft for somebody else. They can't just to clarify. They can't trade the pick before the draft. What they can do is they can pretty much come to the to like the final results of a trade and then select a player for another team and have him uh, be relayed next once a new NBA season starts on July 1st. Um, but, uh, well, I think they have to wait until the moratorium's up, which is like July 6th before they can actually finish the deal. Um, but I, I still think that all options are on the board here. And if I'm the Kings, I, I want to get as much talent as possible. Hey, look, we've got Sean, and uh, we'll see if Sean is Aww. up and running. Um, so, so give me one second. We're going to switch things up here. Um, we have to adjust everybody. Hello, everybody. Hello, and Sean. Welcome. 
Holy oh. crap. That wasn't good. Oh my gosh. Sean, you got the crinklies. I don't Sorry know what it is. To everybody's eardrums. Let's my try God. it again. Let's try it again, Sean. He gives us the one minute sign. Oh man, I feel for the people that were playing this in their car. <laughs> Sean, we got you. Okay. Um, so Brennan and I will will keep talking while Sean is figuring out what's happening. Um <laughs> the live from the Titanic comment got me. Oh no. Uh I missed that. um yeah so i think we're in this weird position where um there is so much talent in this draft but also like so many different paths you can take so brennan to answer your question i don't care if there's a point guard the kings have a need at point guard like matthew delvadova is gone and you don't know what's going to happen over the next couple of years you know so drafting a guy at 24 with the hopes that maybe he can develop into something why not but like you've looked at the draft board, I've looked at the draft board. There just aren't that many point guards in this draft, yeah. and and there's not a lot of centers in this draft. Realistically, what it is is a whole bunch of three uh, twos, threes, and fours, and a lot of two threes, and a lot of three fours, and a lot of four threes. If that makes sense, right? Yeah, which is probably a welcome sight for the Kings. You know, yeah. um, I, I do like your perspective of of twenty four, like. If you just if you do get somebody that plays 15 minutes a night, that's a success really at 24. Um, and I love Trace Jackson Davis. I've watched a lot more of these last couple of days. I love Trace Jackson Davis. Um, I still would be hesitant at 24. I think there's other guys I'd probably prefer, but who knows how it shakes out. Yeah, I was looking. Hey, Sean, have we come up with anything yet or no? Not yet. Um, yeah, the uh the player comp that I read, I think it was Kevin O'Connor. Um, because when I'm going through and I'm doing my player comps, I like to look at um, some of the other player comps that I see just to see if I'm like way off base with some of these things. And um, he said, John Collins. And I'm like, oh, I, I didn't see John Collins. And then I went back and I watched him and the way he moves, he looks like John Collins. Um, like the, he's, he's a like long neck, uh, kind of rigid upper body, um, the way that John Collins moves. And I started to see what he was talking about, but the, the game is a lot different, especially yeah. the fact that, that zero Trace, jump shot. Well, zero three point shot. Yeah. I mean, yeah. Yeah. I mean, he's taken three threes in his entire uh, college career and he missed all three. We've got Chris Tavares going, uh, going back back uh behind us um i hope he he's not gonna like loosen his belt again um uh, <laughs> uh sean are you oh no you sound like you've got uh like a like a nasal drip yeah no now you sound like uh, an oompa loompa <laughs> oh what's going on now I enjoy the live show because we have the moments like this. And Chris Chris Tavora is in the background acting like he's too cool for school. He probably can't hear us, uh, but yeah. Uh, How about now? You guys okay now? There you are. Yes. I'm just going to use the AirPods because this piece of shit doesn't work, but uh, that's okay. (laughs) Chris is here. Uh, How about that? I'm not running in this. Yeah, let's go here. Let's go here. There we are. 
Um, welcome in Sean Cunningham. Sean Cunningham from Fox 40. Um, you don't we get your are regular back intro. Back from San Diego. That's no, okay. You, I don't deserve it today. Beautiful San Diego. Um, Dude, what, a, what, what a time! Uh, what a time to be alive, Sean. Uh, how are you? Let's just let's just get the formalities out of the way. How are you? You don't have a candle here, so things are a little different. I think that's the problem. There's no candle. I'm not in my typical space. I'm at the office. Um, we're still working on like decorating this office. I think when I say working on, we haven't really begun. Um, there's some random like papers, as you can see, kind of up here, and I'm sure they have notes on them that we don't need. But uh, yeah, man, just uh, Chris, myself, a couple of guys from uh, uh, other state. Well, one guy, Mason Morrow from our station and uh, our friend Adam, we were just out in San Diego decompressing. Sometimes you need the vacation from the vacation. And uh, I think I still need that. But I am refreshed, ready to talk some draft. Sorry, I'm late. We've had a busy, busy day, as you can imagine. Any, and uh, any Ron Burgundy run-ins, or we didn't have any Ron Burgundy run-ins per se, but uh, I drank just like Ron Burgundy, so uh, I spent, I did some damage in the gas lamp, and uh, <laughs> Chris, myself, we we definitely there he is. Speak. I, I, I did some damage the day of the Padres game. Oh, yeah. I, I heard it was a good game. Chris, uh, we were at the Padres game, uh, Padres Rays on Friday. Chris attended. Um, and yeah, there was moments he doesn't remember, including taking a picture of some of us uh, that he went, hey, well, who took the He's like, when did that happen? He's like, Chris, you took that picture. So he was blacked out and passed out before 10 o'clock. So. Yeah, Chris is very similar to uh, the the sportscaster uh, dude on um, on uh, Anchorman, except for he's got much better hair. Much the, better hair. The whammo, whammo. <laughs> the David Keckner character is that who you're talking about? Is it yeah. Todd? Is he Todd Packer in the Office? Yes, yes, he is. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So anyway, um, so what's up, fellas? Not a whole lot. Uh, we've we've just been talking about the um the way that this draft is playing out like it's still so wide open and we're talking about a guy like leonard miller doesn't get an invite to the green room and um he's a guy that like how could you pass on him at 24 if he's there i mean just like all the talent in the world but the kings historically have gone with more seasoned players um and and then both brendan and i uh you know expressed our appreciation for trace jackson davis once again because we think he's going to be a really good uh ball player um, and, but, and maybe event maybe available in that uh second round ish maybe area maybe but i wouldn't i wouldn't risk it like not in this draft he, he's on the board at 24 you're yanking him Punch. uh something like that uh <laughs> i would select him yes yeah, you got to clean that one up. Uh, yeah, I mean, but if I had a choice between Leonard Miller and him, I'm taking Leonard Miller because the upside is beyond crazy and then hope that uh, a guy like Trace Jackson Davis makes it to the second round. Um, but uh, but how far have you gotten into your draft, uh, your draft bag here with the, the draft just a couple hours away? Yeah, I mean, quite a bit, man. Like, I would say um, uh, it, it's funny because a lot of the people we've kicked around here over the past few weeks – um, I don't like to call like, 
you look at your guys and I always say fans will fall in love with a player. And certainly you've seen that with uh, Chris Murray, just because of the Keegan connection and, and all mm-hmm. that. And I think a lot of fans would want to see that happen, but uh, I'd, I'd say the guy that has kind of had my eye for uh, around the 24th pick, I still don't think he'll be there is the aforementioned uh, Leonard Miller. Um, he's somebody who obviously I've been quite high on. That's obviously a, a, a not no secret isn't a secret there, but um you're right. No, uh, no invite to the uh, to the green room. That's interesting, but we'll. Uh, I think it's so funny. I'm, it's refreshing in a way that you don't have to um, prepare for a top five, top ten pick. Mm-hmm. I, I think it actually makes it a little bit more intriguing that way. Um, and I say that only from a media standpoint because the possibilities are endless. You know, the storylines are are so plentiful. Um, when you go into a player who you know is a lottery pick. Uh, there's a lot of drama there for sure. Um, but it's, you kind of know what to expect for the yep. most part. You're, you're kind of talking over the same three, four five guys, maybe if you're lucky. And um, in this circumstance, there's just so many possibilities that are intriguing. There's possibilities that can help you now. There's possibilities that can help your future. There's possibilities that are kind of slept upon because of uh, situation and circumstance. So um, it'll be interesting to see, uh, what what this team does tomorrow. Search, certainly you've got the Stepien rule in effect, but once you attach a name to your pick, you're free to move that guy. So it, it's, uh, it, it, I think it'll be, a re- I'm expecting a lot of activity on the, on the internet, but I don't know that I'm expecting a whole lot of uh, activity that's going to blow anyone away. I think it's going to be something where they make the pick at 24 and uh, probably see that player uh, in summer league and, and, and probably training camp as well. Yeah. If I were to guess too, um, we'll just talk about this again. Like, again, there's this new rule that you can have up to three, uh, three two way players this year. And I think it means that like, for sure, if I, if I'm the Kings, I'm drafting a 38, unless you're like, you're not going to trade back like you have in previous drafts where you're going to getting two second round picks to move out of 38. At least I wouldn't do that. Not in this draft. I think there's a lot of talent. There's a lot of talent that makes sense for the Kings, but also a lot of talent that makes sense for the Kings for like a year or two down the road. And so the 38th pick to me in in this draft is a two-way player. Uh, There's a good chance he's a two-way player, not a roster player. And uh, do you think that that's going to have an impact, uh, whether it's 38, whether it's 54? Boy, uh, sure. I mean, I, I don't know. It's um, I, I could be an undrafted free agent. You know, there's uh, I think yeah. it's, it's it, I think we talked about it a couple weeks ago. Like you've got two teams, I believe it is in the second round who have to forfeit their pick. And so the. Uh, the you're that much tighter now the draft pool becomes that much tighter to where I know we're only talking two players there but typically there's a lot of um, activity in undrafted free agents uh, and maybe somebody who who makes a, a big impact in in the summer league and and kind of makes some waves there so uh, and I think Sacramento knowing that you likely have Keon Ellis returning at least for a portion of summer league and then um if you do have 24 and possibility of these two picks, you're going to have a lot of intrigue there. So certainly with the way the two-way works, uh, the, having the additional roster spot in that regard uh, creates a lot of intrigue surrounding the, the roster, but just other options as well. And I think 
you know, it's not the end of the world. It's starting to turn into the NFL in that way where, you know, undrafted free agents uh, have, it's almost better to go undrafted sometimes than really super late in the second round. Yeah. I thought Keon was in that situation. Brendan, you were going to add something to that. Yeah, no, I, I think uh, mostly the, the same. I think the second rounders probably become a little bit more valuable and important with you having another two way, just another spot to fill if you can identify that talent. Um, and as we mentioned before, like your G league system just becomes that much more important. And uh, you know, we just saw Sacramento make some, some changes there. Yeah. I mean, the changes there. So people are, are on top of this. Um, Lindsay. Uh, oh boy. Harding. Harding. Uh, yeah. Lindsay Hunter dropped into my brain, not Lindsay Harding. Uh, has been named the new head coach for uh, the the G, the Stockton Kings in the G League. Um, I, I think that that's a spectacular move. Lindsay's been on the staff for a long time through a couple of coaches. Uh, she's a good lady. She's got a really good connection with players. And then, uh, of course, they promoted Anjali uh, Ranadive to the general manager position of the G League, um, which I'm not exactly sure what that means for Paul Johnson, who was the executive of the year last year. He will be part of the Kings front office moving forward, but we don't have a title yet. Sean, have you heard a title yet? No. Um, heard one kicked around the other day. I don't really feel comfortable mentioning it, but I would imagine uh, it looked, I mean, this team, we've seen two multiple assistant GMs in the past, uh, player personnel, maybe director of scouting. I mean, they have positions already filled, but uh, it wouldn't be surprising to me to see an additional assistant GM role uh, added to the team. Yeah. Um, okay. So, uh, we've got Sean on board here. So if you're watching on the live stream and you don't mind, give us a thumbs up. Um, if you want to make comments, you've got to subscribe to the channel to make comments. Um, welcome into the Kings beat live show, uh, the night before the 2023 NBA draft. Uh, let's get to a couple of the, the, well, we can break into this with not the rumor, but the crazy trade that just happened. Um, as we were prepping for this show, uh, the Porzingis to the Boston Celtics trade fell apart. And then all of a sudden it got spun into a new trade, which is even more intriguing when it comes to the Sacramento Kings. And that is uh, Marcus Smart is going to leave the Boston Celtics and go to the Memphis Grizzlies. Uh, Tyus Jones is heading to Washington. A couple of first round picks are heading to uh, the Boston Celtics. Um I don't know, some cap filler. Mike, is it Mike Muscala and uh, Gallinari are heading to Washington? Um, just what are your first takes on this one? Because it the earlier trade where Malcolm Brogdon was heading to, um, was supposed to go to the Clippers, and then that gets nixed because there's some sort of injury with Brogdon um, or some sort of injury worry uh, with Brogdon. Um, that one wouldn't have been as impactful as I think the the fact that Marcus Smart is on his way to Memphis and that could have major ramifications for the Kings here coming up um, because that makes them at least more interesting in, in a different way. Yeah, I mean, clearly the Celtics prioritized getting bigger. They were shopping around the, the guards like the Marcus Smart or Malcolm Brogdon and looking to get more size to play Jalen and Jason at the 2-3 rather than the 3-4 and and have more big guys around and Porzingis fits that. And I think turning Marcus smart into Porzingis, um, the 25th pick and a future first is 
really good value. Um, I'm a big fan of Marcus Smart. I think he's going to be really good in Memphis. I think he fits their almost sort of like bully you style, extremely physical, um, hard-nosed defender. And I, I think that it's a interesting deal um, for both sides, but really makes sense. Um, it's kind of a lot to get for Marcus, like I said, but I also feel like Memphis is getting him for a decent price. So I, I really like it for both of those sides. Uh, Wizards case, maybe not so much. But well, the Wizards are not get much of anything for Porzingis at this point, but they've had multiple guys leave now and gotten no firsts outside of Beal. Oh, that's crazy. Sean, what are your initial thoughts? Uh, it's, you know, they lose a guy like Dylan Brooks and gain a guy like Marcus Smart. Um, that's tremendous. It's just absolutely tremendous. Uh, it, it's It comes at just, in my opinion, just an interesting time because it felt like for the better part of a few years, we were expecting Marcus Smart to wear a different jersey. And sometimes you were thinking, oh, maybe it'd be a Kings jersey. Um, but here he is into the Western Conference on a team that, boy, he, he, he fits really, really well. And um, I think he helps them get through that 25 games without John Morant services. And uh, it's just the absolutely right kind of pickup that they need. I think, I, I actually think it's a fair trade. I, I actually think knowing what Boston's getting and a guy like Porzingis and obviously with the picks involved, um, you, you know, I, I, I think there's a lot of teams maybe scratching their head thinking that, boy, if that was the asking price for Marcus Smart, maybe we could have gotten involved somehow, but it's not that simple because of the fact of the package and what, what overall is, is happening there. But um, I'm a Tyus Jones fan too, as well. Uh, it's going to be weird seeing him with Washington, kind of see what shakes out with possibility of Chris Paul, though I don't really expect him to be bought out. Uh, I, I could see him obviously maybe get his destination ultimately being LA or something to that regard. But um, I, I kind of get the impression he might be staying there. I just don't see the value in, in, Washington buying him out uh, at, at this stage. I might, am I crazy there, uh, James? Yeah, I don't know. I mean, it's a lot of money, but um, he's also got a lot of power behind him. So if he wants out of there, he's going to push. And I would expect that that's going to be where we're going to head with that. Um, you know, there are conversations there. It's not like they want to hold on to him so they can win more games. I don't think that that's what they're trying to do in Washington. I'll say this like, the can, I, can, I, can I say one thing there? I, yeah. I, in a weird way, I feel like it'll be a John Wall scenario. Like I feel not buying him out and letting his, his contract expire will be better and uh, more, more um, of a better situation for Washington. Um, yeah. But, but the that's really a sad thing to say, knowing that, you know, you're talking about potentially seeing a wasted season of, of Chris Paul, who doesn't really have many left. Yeah. And I'd say the interesting thing too, about, about Chris Paul and that scenario, sorry, the dogs are barking tonight, um, is that, uh, yeah, I mean, I, I would hate to see him waste a, a year of his career, but if you're going to stretch provision him, you still have to spend up to, uh, you have to be within 10% of the salary cap, right? So the salary cap just got bumped up to 136 million. That means that you got to spend within like 122 million bucks and having Chris Paul's salary, if you if you waive him and you stretch him, you could break up his contract over a two year period or three year period. But then all of a sudden you got an extra twenty million bucks in cap space, and like, what do you do with your cap space then? So they could just flat out waive him. They could also 
have him uh, negotiate a buyout where he takes, you know, substantially less just to, just to walk out the door. Uh, but when we, if we get back to the deal for Memphis, like, first of all, I think that Marcus Smart is a really, really good replacement for Dylan Brooks in, in two ways. Number one, very similar game, like very, very similar game, except for one is more of a three and one of them is more of a two. Um, but, you know, we're talking about hard-nosed defender, uh, physical, uh, a bit of a trash talker. But I think that the difference is that Marcus Smart is really a glue guy and he might be the type of glue guy that, John Morant needs to to hold him in check and to keep him in line and to help him become a better pro. I kind of look at that pairing a little bit, like maybe not totally, but it like the Allen Iverson and Eric Snow pairing from years ago, where they really, really complimented each other, where one guy took on the tough defense, defensive assignment, uh, didn't shoot the ball a lot, didn't score a lot, but he he did all of the dirty work so the other guy could be highly successful. And I could see that working, but I think losing Tyus Jones is a big deal. Like Tyus Jones is what's been the motor that makes him run when they have trouble. And uh, when, when John Morant is out of action. And so I'm intrigued to see how they, they fill that void because he's a really good basketball player. He doesn't make mistakes. He's one of the best game managing point guards in the league. I mean, his assisted turnover ratio is nuts. He's just really efficient as a scorer and everything else. And he's a great defense, defensive player. So I do think that they will actually, uh, like, it'll hurt them. Um, but if you knew you weren't bringing Dylan Brooks back, you had to figure out a way to fill that void anyways, right? Well, that, and I feel like they, they'll find another backup point guard that's serviceable uh, in the meantime. But having Marcus Smart, to me, I, I, I think it's an upgrade. I really do. Um, you, you get a veteran presence that that team desperately needed. Mm -hmm. um a, a guy who has been through his trials and tribulations as a pro there's a lot of people that have thought he's controversial has certainly had behavioral issues at, at, at in moments he's a he's kind of a live wire in a, in a short fuse so uh, to me it just absolutely fits with what they do but only better and um a guy who's really in the right stage of his career that can help lead that team i think it'll be a great addition to somebody like john morant who really needs a, a solid pro uh by his by his side but I'm with you to an extent. I love Tyus Jones. I uh, I do think he'll probably flourish there in, in Washington. I, I really do. I think it's a, a great scenario for him to be a, a kind of a, a top tier guy or definitely a starter. And um, I don't know that he'll find much success in the win column in the next year or so, but um, good, good, good area for him to grow. Yeah. I'm a big fan of both of these guys also. I think that, uh, I agree with Sean's point that like maybe in Washington, Tyus Jones can get the chance to expand his game a little bit. And then maybe Washington can flip him at the deadline and try to get some, some value there um, for Marcus. I, I think uh, he is a guy that will inspire the guys around him to also rise up and play at his intensity level um, and just constant level of energy. I think he's going to be great. He's one of those guys that I think is going to, at least for me, be pretty weird to see in a different uniform at first. Um, but I'm sure I'll get used to it pretty quick. I, I think, I mean, this guy dyed his hair green and Celtics right. traded him. So now you can go blue. Like, we'll just go blue. Like I a white, guess. Like a light blue, maybe a powder blue or something like that. Is that possible? Okay. I, I'm going to bring up the, uh, the other interesting piece here for the Sacramento Kings. They have been linked to OG Ananobi nonstop. The Kings have. 
And we've also heard that Memphis has been in the, in the market for wing, uh, a wing defender, and they were potentially in on a, uh, a, a trade for OG. They had, they had bid. Um, we've heard that they are the team that, that offered four first round picks for Mikhail Bridges. Um, and so like, this is one of those things where does it take a team off the market because they gave up some ammo, but they also gave up a couple of picks. Um, and this is one of those teams where like, maybe they are a little bit closer to complete. I mean, Marcus smart can play the one, the two, the three for them. He probably will have to shift to being a starting three. Once John Morant is back uh, with Desmond Bain there, they still have Luke Kennard, which is a nice player to have. So, and you can shift smart to the backup point guard. Like, I guess they do have some, some versatility there, but is that a good thing that at least one of the potential suitors for a guy like OGN and Obi, if the Toronto Raptors, Raptors do decide to make a move, uh, just basically took themselves off the board with this move. Like, did they fully? They lost their pick this year, um, and then it was Golden State's first next year that they traded. Um, they still have a lot of firsts that they could put on the table. Hmm. I'm with you, Brendan. I'm absolutely with you. That's why I was nodding this way. I was like, I don't know that I agree that they took themselves out of it. Okay. Do you think that there's still a place in the backcourt? They're still uh, or at the wing form? Yeah, absolutely. And I think also we, because of draft capital, you know, that could be, that's what they bring to the table. Um, and maybe you need some other pieces and other teams to facilitate something. But uh, if there was ever a team that, that could give up something quite big for Ananobi, especially considering what they're trying to kind of blow up that entire roster, I, I, he's kind of the guy that, that would fit nicely into a, into a rebuild uh, given his age, given what he brings and a nice piece to possibly build around. Uh, with Ananobi? Correct. Okay. But who are they giving up? I mean, you got the draft capital and, you okay. know, that that's, that's what I mean, where you need to possibly hit, hit your wagon to some other teams to try and make this thing work. But okay. um, that, that's what they at least bring to the table more so than anything. And I think Toronto looks at that as, as very, very attractive, especially given just the climate of what they might be. And I don't know that they're going to totally want to look to completely blow things up either. And from a Toronto standpoint, but uh, obviously they didn't jump the gun at the deadline. In fact, they added to their team. So um, we'll, we'll, we'll see what the, what the likes of the, what, you know, the Raptors do. And um, I don't know. They're a little, they're, they're, they're a fuzzy one to figure it out. I think you've got two guys that aren't all that um, long in the tooth for, for their team and Siakam or Ananobi, at least on paper, maybe you mm -hmm. keep one and, and maybe, you know, you just chalk everything up to, uh, to, to, you just, you just maybe run it back in a way and try and find pieces to build around them. But Certainly, if you're getting rid of one or both, you're, you're looking at draft capital. And then hopefully they, they can dangle that out there. And especially if they keep one of those players, if not both, um, find a way to, to build around them. Say like Luke Kennard, Zaire Williams, and three first-round picks. You know, like how does that compare to Rashawn Davion and three picks? Yeah. Just higher picks likely, right? Oh I don't know if we can say they're higher. I mean, they're, they're both teams. One was number two and one was number three. You know, so their pick should be around the same range. I think one of the biggest issues the Kings have is that 
uh, and we discussed this today on, on D'Lo and KC. Um, if the Kings are going to make a deal, I expect them to make a deal sooner rather than later because they, if you don't use your 2023, this, this pick right here to help you in a deal, then you really can't give anybody anything for another like three or four years. Right. So you can put a writer into a trade that says, if we, uh, if the Kings give up the 2024 pick to the Atlanta Hawks, then they, you get the 2026 pick. If not, uh, and it's, you know, it's got to be a 27 or 28 pick. Um, so you can build that in. But if you're not offering the 23, like, how far out are you offering? Uh, like a draft capital for a team. And that's not, that's not a good position to be in. Cause if again, specifically with the Raptors, like if they lose Fred Van Vliet, they're in trouble and they've got to figure out something. Um, you know, they also have the, uh, the Gary Trent Jr. Situation where uh, he just opted into his 18, $19 million deal. So they know they have him back. Um, but then the other two pieces, you're really looking at how do they build around Scotty Barnes, right? And if you're going to build around Scotty Barnes, you want to have picks and and players coming in that are going to be around his age, which means they would want a pick this year, like at a minimum. And then maybe, you know, and then probably a couple more picks, but at a minimum, you at least want one player to start building around. And that's something that um, I think the Kings would have to, they'd have to do a deal that makes sense like tomorrow in order to do that, uh, in order to allow Toronto to draft the player that they want at 24. So I think it's interesting. We had the. Uh, well, I'll just the, also say real quick that yeah. like, I think shooting is something that would be pretty good for Scotty Barnes to have more around. And I've saw people mention in the last comments that like, you know, should Kevin Herter be mentioned as part of this? Like we're always talking about Rashawn as the matching salary, but if Kevin Herter is your matching salary, it's probably a more intriguing deal. Um, and, you know, maybe that's something that would catch Toronto's attention. Yeah, no, I, I totally agree with you. Um, but then you got to fill the void. You've got to backfill the, right. the shooting guard position. Um, but it it actually is possible. And there are players out there that actually could make sense for you. Um, you know, if, if you're the Kings, if you do end up trading Kevin Herter. I was going to bring up, there was a, a report today. And I went back and I listened to the podcast. So uh, um, why am I drawing a blank? It's, uh, oh, we're going here. <laughs> we're going to go here. Yeah, yeah. Who? Uh, Mark Haynes. Uh, no, Chris no, no, Haynes. Chris Haynes. Not not Mark. Uh, Chris Haynes went on a podcast in Portland um, and threw out the fact, uh, threw out that the Kings and I mean the Kings were uh, are are hot after Aunt, uh, OG Ananobi and Pascal Siakam, and so now you got everybody in Kingsland going, "Oh my gosh, they're getting both." Um, so just to clear up a couple of things, number one, a, just don't, don't aggregate this as if I said that their Kings were going to trade this package to get this player, but the Kings could conceivably package Rashawn Holmes, Davion Mitchell, Kevin Herter, and a grouping of picks and trade for both players. Like financially, it actually works. It would eat up some of the Kings cap space but you could actually pull that trade off per NBA rules. Um, so, but I, I went back and listened to what Mark, I mean, I mean, Chris said, and it was very clear that he just kind of flippantly said, and he didn't say, or, 
Um, and so I don't think there's a way that the Kings come away with Pascal Siakam and OG Ananobi from Toronto. Um, they're first of all, they're both really good. Secondly, in order to do it, you're going to have to give up like three or four first round picks and probably a couple of pick swaps as and well. Keegan Murray, uh, maybe Keegan, but again, everything I've heard is that Kings will not include Keegan Murray in a trade. Um, come as on. Of right now. I- I'm just saying. If you're getting both of those players, you're giving Keegan Murray a ride to the airport. I, that, yeah, it's possible, but that's why that's not going to happen. I mean, this, this here's why, happen. but this is also why it, I don't think it's going to happen. And that is that both Siakam and OG Ananobi are at their end of their contracts. They're both entering the final year of their contracts. So you're not going to trade for two really, really good players who would slide in alongside your all star center and your all star point guard and make you a legitimate title contender but you're not going to trade for those guys if you have no guarantee that they will be here next year and we can throw in malik monk and we can throw in Demontis sabonis in that situation if you're the sacramento kings you would never go into an off season or if you did it would be the craziest thing ever where De'Aaron fox had the other four starters alongside him or at least four of the top five best players alongside him all free agents at the same time that would be like rolling the dice in the biggest way possible where you go from really exciting to, Oh Jesus, what just happened or the potential for that to happen. So does that make sense to you guys? Yeah. I think the idea of trading for both of them is just pretty crazy to be honest. Yeah. It's crazy. It's let's put it this way. It's a, and in pairing them together, it's, have you had discussions about each one of them? Sure. Uh, A package that nets both of them. Let's be realistic here. That's rough. That that's gonna. I mean, that's a lot, and I don't know how you get up to the the dollar amount that uh, that would kind of make sense. Right? And can can I point out something too? Like this this is not just things that are recent. I mean, these are things over the past year that have have happened. I mean, you've kicked the tires on players, and um, a comment like uh, like Pascal Siakam that could have been six months ago could have been 10 months ago and within recent discussions sure you both teams know what what each team is looking to or is willing to uh provide especially in the case of Ananobi and Siakam and given their contract status now the closer you get to the 23-24 season the lesser you're willing to give up because of their contract situation so without having their future completely tied down and, and guaranteed for years to come. Uh, it doesn't matter if you're getting either one of them. I mean, the asking price, the, the, the amount you're willing to give up will, will decrease. Okay. So, uh, I'm going to take care of some weird business when it comes to both of these players. Um, so OG Ananobi and Pascal Siakam both entering the final year of their career. You can do what's called an extend and trade in the NBA where, a player gets an extension and then gets traded. And basically there's a 40 hour, 48 hour window for the trade to happen, whatever, but you can actually negotiate an extension and then trade a player. And that's something that like the Kings would probably want to at least have cursory discussions. The problem is that any extend and trade, you can only do a 5% raise. Now this is two different players. So uh, like, Pascal Siakam makes 37 million bucks. 5% raise is probably okay. 
Like he's a guy who who already makes thirty seven million bucks, five percent raise puts him just under forty um, as a starting salary. So there's a possibility that you could actually do like a a four year forty something mil, a hundred and 180, $175 million extension, right? OG Ananobi is in a different situation. He only makes 18.6 million bucks. He's going to most likely opt out of a $19.9 million contract for next year, but 5% raise is not what he's going to be looking for, that 18.6 million. So if you trade for a player, if you trade for either of them without doing an extension first, you cannot work, uh, you cannot extend the player for six months. Once you trade for them, you and you get to the six month mark, uh, you can discuss a trade for again with OG Ananobi. It's going to be up to 140 percent of his current salary, and that's 26 million bucks basically. A starting salary at 26 goes up to 28, goes up to 31, goes up to 33, whatever. It's right around 30 million bucks a year for a four year contract extension. I could see that actually being something that makes sense for OG Ananobi. I don't know about Siakam. Again, Siakam's 29. Um, he'll be 30 next offseason. You got to kind of, it's it's a little bit confusing on what his value would be, um, whether he's going to be a you know $180 million player going forward for four more years until he's 33, 34 years old or not. Um, but I just want to make sure we discuss that part of it. Once you trade for those guys, if you don't already have an extension in place, they you have to wait six months and that puts you if you do it july 1st or july you have to wait until like july 6th that puts you into january where you could actually negotiate a contract extension if they have a a want to stick around yeah um, and i think the the possibility of those players making more money uh on the open market as unrestricted free agents is still greater right yeah, but I mean how much greater is is Siakam going to make than than almost 40 million and how much uh, is it possible that OG Ananobi becomes a star in Sacramento uh, and makes all defensive team and and like and gets more than twenty six million? It's possible, um, but you know it brings up like some people are chatting here while we're discussing this uh, about Kuzma. You know, uh, like Kyle Kuzma wants thirty million bucks a year. So like whether Kyle, I mean, this goes back to that whole thing. If if you think you have a two million dollar house but you can't sell it for more than 500,000. You, you only have a $500,000 house. So I, I hope that Kyle Kuzma gets whatever it is that he wants, but like he can probably make $30 million a year from Washington and, to stay there and just be a lone dude, a lone gunman on, on a grassy knoll, um, you know, and, and make a whole bunch of money, but not win any games from here on out. Uh, but in order for him to go somewhere else, there's just not that many teams with a bunch of cap space. Well, and... let's answer let's answer Mark Robertson's question here, James Brendan. Yeah, go for it. Where's it at? Siakam. If you're the Kings, would you prefer Siakam or Ananobi? Hmm. I know Sean's answer, but Brendan. Um, I mean, in a vacuum, Siakam's just better. What do you mean in a vacuum? Just... Well, but like, are we talking? considering what you're giving up like to me if you're getting siakam you might have to include keegan like i think that price included i would probably pick og but i think that pascal's the better player sean uh, i mean so, yeah pascal siakam hands down i'm gonna go the other way 
But I think the guy that would mean more to your team is OG Ananobi. Like, I, I really like Siakam, and I actually think he'd be a pretty good fit next to Sabonis. And I also think that when Sabonis steps off the court, you can now run the ball through Siakam because he's also developed this incredible ability to pass the ball where he averaged, like, what, six assists a game, close to six assists a game last season. Um, so I think that that's great. But he's also 29. OG's almost 26. So you're three years younger. The contract is half. Um, the quote-unquote, like, star, like, treatment that you would get for for getting Siakam is huge. But he's also going to cost you. Um, and And I don't know. I don't know that, like, you have to give up Keegan Murray in that situation. Because the fact is that OG Ananobi is is going to be a free agent and they're not and you don't have a way to extend him really until at least January. And you have no idea if you're going to be able to keep him. And so you're not giving up last year's number four pick who went out and had, had a really solid rookie season when you have no promise of it being anything more than a rental. You would give up probably two picks. Um, to take that gamble and you're going to have to give up plenty of uh, you're going to have to give up Davion. You, you might have to give up Davion Rashawn, and Kevin Herter to make the money work. Um, and then that's another thing I want to like bring up. Like we always throw these, like what would it take type scenarios, right? We always, we have this conversation like here on the podcast. The reason why we bring up Herter or we bring up Davion or we bring up, Rashawn Holmes is because the Kings only have seven players on a contract and the other four players are Fox, Keegan, Sabonis, and Monk. And like, again, Monk's value is slightly uh, hurt because he's only on a one-year deal. Um, but the other three are basically your building blocks and you're not going to trade them in most scenarios. So that's why these guys get brought up. Um, if, Harrison Barnes was under contract. He would be part of that discussion or Trey Lyles or, or any of the other guys that were under contract last year. Uh, but the Kings only have these seven dudes and it's difficult to, uh, to put salary structure together for a trade without including some of them. Right. Does that make sense to everybody? Yeah. Yeah. All right. Um, okay. So, I think I would go, let's just go around the table one more time. So Brennan, you say Siakam. Um, I guess I'm picking OG here. Oh, okay. I'm picking, I'm picking well, OG. I, I just cost considered cost considered. Well, you don't know that it's going to cost. No, I don't. Like, yeah, I mean, I, I don't take that off the table. Just then, then it's, would you uh, rather have? Yeah. Then it's um, Siakam for me. Hmm. Because I, okay. I, I I don't necessarily think you have to give up Keegan Murray given what your draft capital is to acquire either one of them. Certainly, if I'm Toronto, I'm I would absolutely want Keegan Murray. Um, so those are discussions that have to have to be had. But um, yeah, man, like that's a tough it's a tough decision. But if you're getting Siakam, uh, yeah, I would uh, I think it's worth the risk. And if you're giving up Keegan Murray, then you're holding on to hopefully some picks and figuring it out. Uh, that's when that's, again, I like, I always love attaching other teams to scenarios and things like that. Um, especially if you're getting off of a contract, like something like Rashawn Holmes or something like that. Um, because again, we've talked about it. Like everyone loves to attach Rashawn Holmes to everything. It's not that easy to move him. He's the modern day 
Kenny Thomas for this team in a way, and it's not wanted uh, at the moment because of his contract. So the closer you get to his um, the end of his deal, the more attractive he becomes. Yeah. Um, okay. So so when we talk about this now, let's get into the the next discussion. If you don't get OG. Um, we're not going to bust into a full-fledged free agent conversation because that would be for next week. We, we have no idea what the Kings are going to do on draft night, um, whether that changes anything because it probably doesn't. Um, like the 24th pick in the draft, the Kings are the third seed in the Western Conference this last year. Uh, if they hope to maintain and improve, that 24th pick probably doesn't see the court all that much in his rookie season. Um, so again, that pick to me really doesn't have that much bearing. But what do you do if you're the Kings, if you can't get an OG and an OB? Um, it, like, clearly, there's going to be discussions with Harrison Barnes. Um, the Kings have already had discussions with Harrison Barnes. And I was reading up on this, too. So the new collective bargaining agreement, um, once the NBA Finals ends, you can start negotiating uh, with your own free agents, right, that are coming up. And that's going to be in the new CBA. And the current CBA, this is kind of like a sleight of hand that NBA teams do. You can't discuss free agency with your own free agents-to-be, but what you can discuss is potential contract extensions with players that are already under contract with you, that are still it, under contract with you. It's been discussed. Let's just put it that way. It is so, been yes. discussed, but not using the words free agency. It's almost like your availability on the open market. Yes, like, yeah, so it's it's this weird thing that, again, you can discuss or, an extension. Or when we go to market, when we go to market. <laughs> yes, yes. So there are ways to to have these conversations. And from what I know, the Kings have had conversations with Harrison Barnes. They know the number that his people are looking for. The number is higher than what I expected, um, higher than what I think most people expected in the building. Um, there has been like kind of a, a cooling off period, whether that means that they're going to get back to the, the bargaining table and have more discussions. I think it really does depend on where you're at after the draft, whether you've made a big move already. And then as we approach free agency, you've got a major decision to make here because it's about how you use your cap space. Right. And so as of right now, um, the Kings are, are not a cap space team. They're they're just your standard everyday, uh, like mid-level exception team. They can get up to, uh, I have them, they can get up to like 22.3 million bucks in salary cap space. Um, but that means that they don't have a mid-level exception. They don't have a biannual exception. They don't have Harrison Barnes. They don't have uh, Trey Lyles or Alex Len or Shemezi Metu or, uh, who's the other, uh, Terrence Davis. Um, so they can get up to 20 something million bucks. Then they can come back and revisit the conversation with Harrison and try to get him to take less money and leave some other cal salary cap space open and then become what's called a room team and then use the room exception after they do all the rest of their stuff. And that exception isn't as big as a mid-level, but it's at like 7.7 .7 million bucks. And so I could see the Kings going two different ways here, whether, you know, it's like bringing back Harrison Barnes quickly on a contract and then figuring out to do with your cap space. Um, but where are you guys at with like how you think they're going to approach the Harrison Barnes situation? And like, what would you gauge is your, is he going to be back? Like, do you have a percentage? 
I, I, I don't have a percentage, but I will say that, you know, not being able to pull the trigger with Toronto doesn't necessarily mean green light back to Harrison Barnes. I think there are other scenarios that exist on other teams. And uh, Harrison Barnes also has a decision to make. Um, it, it, it's not just, you know, do the Kings bring him back? Like, it, it's, it's a matter of whether or not he wants to be back and, and in relation to opportunities that exist on other teams. And um, I, I think, again, there's a number that the Kings are willing to bring him back for. Uh, there are situations that the Kings are probably hopeful that go in a different way. But at the end of the day, if they've got Harrison Barnes at a manageable number back on their team, they're going to be more than happy with that. Brennan? Oh, you're muted. Wow, would you look at that? Unmuted. Um, I think that you try and look in other directions. I think that there are more ideal complementary wings to be a pairing with Keegan Murray than Harrison Barnes, but he is clearly somebody that can get the job done like we saw him do it last year and the worst thing that could happen is that he walks to another team in free agency and the kings don't have a guy that you know can comfortably fill that void and so i think that it's a really tough decision um it'd be pretty hard for me to uh it just depends what that number that we're sort of talking about is. You got to have your number that you're willing to walk away at. And I think it's hard to really pin that down when, if you have any concerns of like, okay, if he leaves, what if we're left with, you know, Chris Murray as our other starter or Sasha is starting all of a sudden. Yeah. I mean, I think that that's the problem that like, I'm just keep repeating the Monty McNair, uh, you know, maintain and improve like maintaining for this team is bringing Harrison Barnes back. And, and I even think that there's a way to improve without changing everything. Right. If you, if you do add Sasha Vizenkov, you bring back Trey Lyles, you make like a moderate addition here or there outside of it. You have the 24th pick, um, but there's a, a natural progression that your team will get from a playing together longer and B having, players step up and become more than they were before. And the Kings still have, you know, not only Keegan Murray, but Davion Mitchell, who's still young, um, even De'Aaron Fox and uh, and Kevin Herter and Malik Monk are young enough where they can take another step in their careers and be better. And so you can improve just by staying organically together and, and trying to move forward. Um, but at the same time, like I, I think we all saw it all last season, there are some limitations and there's some limitations and it's not really like a Harrison Barnes issue as much as there is. If you have Harrison Barnes and Demonis Sabonis and Keegan Murray, none of which are extreme athletes with extreme length, then the three of them together might not be the best pairing long-term. Like if you are able to change other pieces out, then maybe it would make more sense. But for right now, that's where your limitations, it's not so much a Harrison Barnes limitation. It's a, Harrison Barnes, Keegan Murray, and Tavana Sabonis limitation. And if you bring in Sasha Vizenkov, I'll add that. It's the same exact limitation the other guys have. They're good ball players. They're small, bar, smart ball players. They can pass. They can do all the things you need them to do, shoot. They just aren't long athletic and shot blocking and defensive-minded players. So you're going to have an issue. Um, I could see the Kings. I think there's a number that, uh, that Harrison Barnes people want, and then there's a number that that Harrison Barnes would play for to come back. 
And I don't think those are the same numbers. And there's also a number that the Kings want to pay him. And so somewhere in the middle, there's going to be a common ground. And so I wouldn't be shocked if Harrison Barnes was back, but I'd also look at the possibility of something completely different. And that is Harrison Barnes being brought back at a dollar that's low enough where you still have enough money to go back to Demonis Sabonis and potentially discuss and extend a, a raise and extension this summer. And so we mentioned this before on the podcast. I still think that that's in play. And um, those are some murmurs that I'm hearing that there's potential for an extension for Sabonis this summer. And the only real way to do that is pretty complicated, um, but it's to be a, a true cap space room team that can, you know, go out there and, and carve out five to 7 million bucks worth of extra salary cap space this year, add it to his $22 million salary, and then give him a, an extension based on that raise that you gave him. So for instance, if you give Sabonis a $5 million bump to 27 million, a, an extension hit for him would start it for next season at 37.8 million, 40 million, well, almost 41, 44 and 47.6 million. So a total package of 170 million over four years plus next season salary. So five years. Um, if you go to, if you're able to clear up 8 million bucks in space and go up to a $30 million salary for this season, and then your 140% raises, you're looking at $189 million contract extension for four years that would kick in after next season. And those are numbers. Like, again, if you tack on the, the 27 million to the 170 million, you're looking at like $197 million five-year deal. That's not bad money for Sabonis. If you look at the 30 million, that's 220 million bucks for Sabonis. Are those things that, that make sense to you guys? Or would you guys think that Sabonis might be able to get more or he's going to hold out for more and wait until next summer? In my mind, Demonis Sabonis waits till next summer. And that's to go with the amount of money that he can get. And uh, especially coming off an all NBA season this year. And I think the players union would probably encourage him to do that as well uh, for, for the amount of money that he can go out and get uh, a year later. I think that he should get every dollar that he can. Um, and that's probably open market. Um, Remind me, he has to make all NBA again to be eligible for Supermax. Is that correct? Yes. And that that's not a sure thing. You know, Bam Adebayo no, just played amazing and is going to be in that conversation. Anthony Davis, if he was healthy all year, probably would have taken it over Domas. Um, so that's something to monitor there for sure. And again, to you know, make note of the what is it, sixty-five games minimum uh, requirement in the coming season uh, for right. some of these awards. That's also something to factor in as well. Absolutely. Yeah, I mean that. So you're but not I mean, going to take. That, I, I would say this though, whether or not you don't get the, you shoot for the stars and get the money you want, you're still going to get the money that you were offered. Does that make sense? Like you will still get the ballpark figure that you'd be offered in the extension. Yeah, no, I think he would too. But I think there's also something to walking into a season without something hanging over your team's head, without something hanging over your head, knowing that last season you got karate chopped on your hand and uh well actually it wasn't even that he just put his hand on someone's back and his hand popped um and he very well could have missed half the season and we weren't talking about this type of extension for him like injuries are part of the game he didn't get injured at all i mean he did get injured but played through it like 
there's always potential. And I mean, we're talking about like 220 million bucks or 200, you know, or $200 million. That's a lot of money. And while I think he can get more, you don't know how much more. And in order to get more, you're going to have to have either the Kings are going to want to pay you that, or there's going to have to be another team that somehow magically has, you know, $50 million in cap space to, uh, to go out and sign you. And so I think it's, it's an interesting debate, but, but I, I have heard that there's potential for, for an extension this summer. And, uh, and the only way to do that is to be a true cap space team, have cap space and hand it over, hand it over to a guy like that. Yeah. Yeah. And I would say on his end, you know, I think this is something he's looking forward to. I don't think it'll be a distraction. I don't think it would be something that would hang over the team. Like you mentioned, this is something I think he's looking forward to. He gets to control his own destiny as a player who's been traded twice and hasn't had that opportunity really in his career. So um, that is something in, in well, aside from the, the you know, the, the money he signed while Indiana, in Indiana, but to be wined and dined and to be able to go out and do, um, to, to make his own decision, knowing that Sacramento is a tremendous fit for him. Um, it, 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 like unrestricted free agency is very, very attractive to all players, especially if you're a guy like Demonis Sabonis. Yeah. I mean, I, I think it's also possible he's settled in. Like he, we talked about it early on, but he said like, he thinks he found his NBA home. He was the one that initially said that in his first press conference. And um, I think that does mean something. And it's, especially it means something when, you know, you got a little baby and you got another baby on the way and you want to, there's a big family atmosphere here in Sacramento. You might not get that everywhere else. And uh, you have a fan base and a franchise that cherishes you and that wants you there. And I'm not saying that he didn't have that in Toronto or OKC, but uh, I mean, not Toronto, uh, Indiana or OKC, but, but he really, he didn't have it like this. And so I, I think it's going to be interesting. Like, I, I think it'll be tested. We'll, we'll see what happens there, but um, I'm not going to, I'm not going to say no, that he can't, that he won't sign on the dotted line. I think there's potential for it this summer. Um, would you guys do it this summer if you can get it done? Oh, if you're the Kings, sure. you're absolutely. Yeah, you're 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 throwing everything you can at him to try to to extend. Um, I I think the player will will maybe hold on. I think it's it's that that's what I would bet on. Uh, I would be quite surprised if he agreed to extend. But make no mistake, if you're the Kings, you're trying to extend him right away this season. Get it out of the way and uh, set yourself up for the future as as quickly as possible. Yeah, it kind of changes everything, right, Brendan? Like if you had him under contract going forward and you've got Fox and you've got Keegan and like you now have your base, you know exactly what's happening moving forward. Yeah, and I already feel pretty optimistic from Sacramento's standpoint. I feel like they have a good pitch. Um, obviously, they're somebody that expressed a lot of faith and interest in him as a player in person and trading what they did for him. Um, they put a good roster around him, a coaching staff and front office that's all on the same page in line with each other and, and seemingly ownership as well. Um, good players around him. They're winning. I think they have a good pitch. Um, I'm not too worried, but he's going to be the best free agent on the market um, that year. I, I think that he's one of the only all-stars that's available at that point. Um, so teams are going to try, but I think Sacramento has a great pitch. If you can do the extension, you absolutely do it. But I think even unrestricted free agency, I feel pretty good about Sacramento's chances, but you never yeah, know. I don't want people to hear that and go, 
you know, oh, he's going to test the open market. I mean, you test the open market, that doesn't mean you can't make your way back to Sacramento anyway. So it, it's not like a yeah. nail in their coffin and, and, it, and it's a done deal and you wipe your hands. Like you already know what Sacramento is. You, you, you love it there. Um, but can, can somebody present you with an opportunity that could be better than what you have here? And like you mentioned, James, yeah, he says, this is his NBA home. He, this is everything he, he wants at the moment. That's as of this past season. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. That's as the moment he, he stepped foot in Sacramento and, got his house in Napa, his wife's from LA. I mean, this is, everything is paved that way, but a lot can change in a year. Not to say that it's bad, things can all remain remain the same, but something in LA perhaps could be a lot more attractive at that point. I'm not saying I know that, I'm not I'm just using it as an example. So the landscape changes very, very quickly. Worst and example that, ever. And that yeah, is sure. why you go after him now. That is why you try sure to get it can. done. 100%. Now, if you're the Kings, you, you try to carve it out. And that could mean getting really, really complicated with your salary cap. Um, I, I, I also think like the way that to clear up everything to make life super easy for the Kings and where they can go out and chase free agents, they can bring back Harrison Barnes, they can talk extension and all that is if somehow they can find a home for Rashawn Holmes, if it's not part of some bigger deal. Um, you know, if they, if they can just go out and trade him for uh, with three second round picks, um, to get his contract off the books somehow with a team that has no interest in getting better. Um, yeah, that it's something that would literally, it would take them from like, you know, 32, 33 million, I mean, 22, 23 million bucks to like 33, 34 million bucks, like in the uh, like snap of a finger. Um, yeah. So, all right. So let's get to uh, the business of basketball. Um Kings are on the clock. Uh, who are you guys taking at 24? Oh, they're not on the clock. <laughs> who are you taking at 24? What do you got? We don't Give know it who's to available me. there. I'm taking Derek Whitehead. Um, I'll play the game. I love the upside. It feels like AJ Griffin all over again. I'm actually curious to hear Sean's perspective uh, as a Duke guy. But I think that it's one of those upside swings, but you know that there's a baseline of a really, really good three point shooter there. Um, and I think that in itself will get, can get him a role offensively. And if there's more athleticism to be unlocked there, um, that kind of was limited during his time at Duke because of some injuries. I think there's a really intriguing upside there and a halfway decent floor, but if he's there, which I'm not sure, um, he's a guy I really like at that spot. Yeah, I mean, he's a guy that, if you remember years, I mean, this guy was very much heralded, you know, great size and length and um, everything he's did. But I think that the season at Duke, you know, especially being a little bit younger of a player there, um, I think there's things you like, there's there's things that you can be critical of, but ultimately it kind of hurt him with, with a lot of guys making a lot of strides. And this was a guy who was at one point like a lottery pick. So um, I, I, I like his length. I like the potential there. Certainly Brent, Brennan, you mentioned the three point shooting. Um, I, I'm curious to see how he fits the NBA game. It would seem as if it would be very, very natural. Um, he's very athletic um, defensively has some, I don't know, in the NBA, I think he could, he, he might get a little eaten up. It's going to be a little bit of adjustment, but I like some of the things he's shown defensively, especially in team team concepts. Uh, but in the NBA, like, you know, Things can change very, very quickly. Uh, I, 
I like him. I don't know if, if, if I would take him at 24 though, I think he will be available um, potentially later on. Um, I mean, you know, you guys all know my thing on Leonard Miller. There's some people that have him high up. I think somebody even pointed out here in the chat here earlier today that NBA mock drafts, as much as they're terrible, NBA TV didn't even put Leonard Miller in the first round, which is kind of funny at the moment. So um, yeah, I mean, I know there's been guys that have said uh, Jaime Jaquez, he has a UCLA product. Uh, I got to see him obviously in the first round, in the first round of the tournament here in Sacramento up close and personal um, does a lot of nice things. He worked with Rico Hines, uh, very, very familiar product with him. And uh, he's also got the green room invite. So I think that's one of those, once you get somebody gets a green room invite, you kind of expect them to go maybe in the top 20, maybe close to that. So I, I don't know if I have a guy that I love outside of Leonard Miller and, and he's, Again, a guy that would be more of a project and not help you possibly right away. Um, it's interesting to see what the Kings, you know, how they've drafted. Certainly, as James likes to point out, the all their draft picks, at least in that first round, have been guys that are help you right away scenarios, but they haven't had to really pick this low in the draft before. So um, this could be one of those, take that flyer, take this, one of those players that is young enough to develop, give him some time with the G League, give him some time to to really further develop and, and see what happens. But I'm also like you, James, Trace Jackson Davis is a guy that I do like a lot. Um, I, he's a guy that I keep seeing slide down draft boards quite a bit and even into the second round, which is kind of makes me wonder if he'll even go to the second round. But if he falls into the second round, that would actually surprise me. I, I just can't see that happening. Yeah, I can't see it happening either. I mean, I, I think he, he just really looks super impressive. I mean, just the the like refined college game. I mean, average 20 and 10 with four block uh, with three blocks and, and four assists per game. I mean, he was really, really impressive. So uh, he doesn't shoot the three ball. That's going to be a problem. Uh, Whitehead, the, the problem with Whitehead that I think a lot of people have and why he might actually make it to the Kings at 38 um, is because he's, he's had two foot surgeries. So he had a foot surgery that really limited him early in the season. And then he had a foot, another foot surgery in the last like month. Um, and so that's going to be like a, a red flag, but at 38, if he was available, heck yeah. I mean, he's absolutely Swoop tremendous. Him. Yeah. Him up at that point. Yeah. yeah. And so my, my perfect draft would be uh, if somehow um, again, Leonard Miller falls to 24, I'm jumping all over him. I, I don't care. Like, and I've done my own research on him as far as like touch and base. He, he's, a, he's a good kid. Like there's nothing, no major red flags. Uh, he's a, he's a, you know, a kid that like does his work and shows up and, and really, really showed improvement. Um, and then I would probably see if I could package 54 with 38 and move up to like 31, 32 to get uh, uh, Trace Jackson Davis. That would be sort of my perfect where you get a young flyer and then you get a seasoned player who's going to come in and be able to handle himself. Um, whether he's a like frontline NBA player or major rotational player, who knows, but at least he's got like a, he's mature. He's got a skill set. So that'd be kind of my perfect night. Um, do you guys have any questions before we get out of here? Um, thanks for sticking around here on the Kings beat podcast. Um, we've been on for an hour and 17 minutes. Uh, but if you guys have questions, we can hit up. Um, yeah, uh, let's let's take this. Uh, let's see. Um, 
Uh, Reddish and Thibel are both free agents from Portland, probably able to get get them inexpensive. Do you think the Kings should go back and, and kick the tires? I'll just lump them in together. There's Matisse Thibel, there's Darius Baisley, um, all these names we heard at the trade deadline. Um, even like Josh Richardson, all of these guys are now free agents. Mason uh, Plumley, right? Mason Plumley. Mason Plumley. Yeah. Are are these guys that you try to Montrez go with? <laughs> yeah, Montrez is a little tough because I mean you kind of have a very similar player in uh Rashawn Holmes. It just hasn't worked out. Chris Middleton, who just opted out. No, you're not getting Chris Middleton. <laughs> Plus Plum dog. Uh, but what are those players uh even even reddish i mean brennan do you kick the tires on these guys again reddish doesn't do it for me but i think like the guys the other guys mentioned um that we've talked about before is potentially being intriguing fits are exactly the type of guys that i would uh try to have conversations with you know we went through the guys that sacramento has uh expiring and talked about how for most of them i'd like somebody that fits better and I think as a complimentary piece. Um, and I think that a lot of those guys mentioned were mentioned because they do hypothetically fit better. So I, I would revisit those for sure. Yeah. And so people know the Kings, like even if they do the, the true cap space situation, right. Um, where they, they open up their cap space, they should have what's called the room exception, which is like 7.7 .7 million bucks. You can break the room exception up into multiple contracts so some of these players like a Baisley or a Thibel, can you get one of them for 4 million and one of them for 3.5 million? Maybe. I, and honestly, I think you probably could get both. Could you get Cam Reddish for 3 million bucks? So Thibel's restricted, right? Thibel's restricted, but I mean, they, little, they little really, they didn't give up much to get him, um, you know, and, and they have plans to do much bigger things. I just don't know that he's a high priority for them. Although he looked pretty good in, with them last season. Um, but when they were trying not to win and doing all that stuff. Um, so yeah, I, I would think that the Kings are probably going to kick the tires on any one of those guys. Um, they could also use the entire 7.7 .7 million on a guy like Mason Plumley, uh, like Jim Thurkill says here. Um, although you said Plumlee. Um Would you guys revisit the Plumley discussion? I would, I would certainly take a look at him. Yeah, absolutely. Especially unrestricted free agent. Um, see what the market holds. Uh, he's a guy that, as you know, Jim mentions, a good backup for Domas. I or as he called perfect. Oh, yeah, that's a that's a solid backup. It, this is the time to get him. It, I wasn't in favor of you know trying to dump off second round picks to go get a rental player that I didn't think would matter much in the grand scheme of things. Um, certainly, you could have seen how he could have been utilized very well in that golden state series but um i uh I, I would definitely take a look at him as an unrestricted free agent brendan same here you need a backup five um you got to figure out that spot obviously was a position that they tried a lot of different things that last year and didn't end up really settling on a comfortable regular solution um so i, I think plumley is exactly that guy you know play that same sort of offense be a decent rebounder. Um, I like it for sure. Um, I also just to to fix. You mentioned uh, Cam Reddish. Uh, I believe you said you weren't a fan, Brendan. I'm 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 I am inclined to believe with uh, <clears throat> to agree with you there. I'm not the biggest Cam Reddish fan. Yeah, I'm not a huge Cam Reddish fan either. That's uh, Kenny Caraway's guy. 
Um, if uh, the the Warriors, uh, if he gets traded, you think uh, would he fit? Would you give up number twenty four for Jonathan Kaminga? Easily. Oh yeah, you can have him. Tell yeah, me. I, I don't think to... that that would get it done. But tell me who you want me to pick. I'll do it. You can have him, and I'll give you several seconds as well. And I'll take Jonathan Kaminga. You think so? Absolutely. I'll even give you shit. I'd even give you like a Rashawn. I mean, whatever, whatever you need it to make it happen. I mean, within reason, but if you, you're looking for another role player or something like that, that, that you can give up, uh, that might be available. Sure. Well, uh, thoughts on Yuta Wananabe. Wananabe? What's I'm that? I'm a big fan. Um, I mean, a guy that you're definitely talking about in like a limited role, like TD sort of minutes, maybe something beyond that. Mm-hmm. Um, but a guy that can really shoot the three, a great effort guy. He had a great game against Sacramento. Um, I remember if it was this year or last, but when he was with Toronto, he totally kicked their ass in Golden One one game. Um, but no, I, I he's somebody that I definitely like is just one of those filling in the roster. And my biggest takeaway from the Denver series was God, these guys are huge and think Sacramento could uh you know benefit from getting a little bit more size and some of these complimentary guys and Utah fits that. Hmm. Lots of questions about uh Andrew Wiggins in the chat today. Yeah, I, I saw that too. Is Andrew Wiggins on the block? I, well, I don't know. I mean, I can't imagine they're going to have a five. I mean, they're trending towards a $500 million payroll. It could be. Uh... Yeah, I guess at some point. Um, I, I don't know. I, you know, the Wiggins saying to me, um, it, I mean, is he a huge upgrade over Harrison Barnes? I mean, he's, I, I think he's yes. an upgrade. He's he's younger. That's That's yeah, but. I don't know. Like there are too many times where he's, he's timid. He's a fifth option. Um, yeah. I don't know. What would it take to get him? I, I don't know uh, what to take away to, to get Wiggins. Do you guys have a favorite guy that you just wish the Kings like, again, like everyone mentions him here is um, Nas Reed. But I mean, do you guys have yeah. just a favorite guy that's out there? Yeah. I mean, my three are unrealistic. I think at the moment, um, you know, does do the Clippers dangle Paul George? I think that would be up there. Who knows how you make that happen? Um, certainly a Jalen Brown is very intriguing, but I don't think that's happening now. Uh, if at all, I didn't think that was going to happen even back then. But yeah, Pascal Siakam, all three of those guys are A-plus on the Sean Cunningham list. <laughs> Sean, Sean just goes full-fletched with like really, really great stars. players. Yep. He's, he's out here playing 2K. He's out here playing 2K. Brennan, what do you got? I like OG, um, and then I like Dorian Finney-Smith, too. He, he's still mm-hmm. got a couple of years left. I think he's a really, really good defender and a guy that can finish plays on offense as long as that three ball's falling. Um, that I think he's a really solid fit. Like I would, I think 24 is for sure on the table for Dorian Finney-Smith in my mind. Okay. Um, I, I like uh, Bruce Brown. Like, if you're going to go out there and, like, make a really... I like Nas Reed. I think you could do some, like... Bruce Brown is going nowhere. Yeah, Remember but have you Michael seen... Malone told you. Yeah, but have you seen the, the contract situation? Yeah, they're not. He's... They're keeping it, him. It's complex, so... Like, he opted out of, like, a 6 point... I, I think 6.8. And the most it can sign him to is a $7.6 million contract. That's it. They can't sign him to anything higher than that. Um, because they have no other rights to him and they have no cap space. So um, I, I would be surprised 
um, if he doesn't take twice that money as a mid-level exception from somebody. So I, I think you can get him. And I also think that's why they just traded up into the first round and early the late first and early second round because they know that they're probably going to lose him and they're probably looking at players that we've already discussed or players that we've written about uh, that will be sitting there around those positions that can step in and play uh, Bruce Brown type minutes. Um, Kyle Kuzma but, is also the one that's getting absolutely loved in the chat. What would you pay for Kyle Kuzma? It would take you your third, like 30, it, all the money you can create from moving homes pretty much. And I would do it. I'd pay Kuzma 30 million a year. Yeah, it's not what? my money. <laughs> I mean, and everything's, <laughs> everything's going up. You're going to have to start learning about aprons and all that kind of stuff. Uh, so, James, buckle up. We're going to need you to explain aprons <laughs> to everybody eventually. I don't know I if already... I got the patience of it for tonight, but... Yeah. yeah, yeah. I've already got the 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 first apron, second apron, like like the basics of it, okay. but it, it's complex, and we're not getting into that at almost midnight. Um, oh. Yeah, Kyle Kuzma for thirty million, I say no. Now Kyle Kuzma, maybe at twenty five, like what I, yeah, I would probably think long and hard about that. Um, but I I have a feeling, and and this has been backed up by people that I've talked to that Kuzma just likes the bright lights. And like, he really does like to be in the spotlight and I don't think he'd consider Sacramento. So, I mean, it is what it is. Uh, all right. Um, let's, uh, let's do final thoughts. What do you gentlemen got? Brennan final thoughts. Um, it's insane to me that Washington traded Beal and Porzingis and got Landry Shamit, Tyus Jones and second round picks. The Chris Paul. They, and Chris Paul, and Chris Paul, you're right. And they <laughs> they needed to reset. I think it's the right decision for them. I'm just shocked at what the return has been. Can I just remind people though? Like I know people see that and they go, "What the hell? How did that happen?" You have to remember that Bradley Beal had a no trade clause. So of the scenarios, he can he controlled where he got to go, and that's how it that's how it got to happen was. Um, and I think Washington was okay with that. You got new ownership in there or ownership. You have new management in there. People running the front office um, reward Bradley for the, you know, years of service. I mean, he's, he's been a guy that's put a lot. It's kind of like the modern day Mitch Richmond, uh, if you will, um, who was put up all-star numbers, was an all-star hasn't translated into success either. So um, moving on from him was absolutely the right thing that had to be done. And you, in, in my mind, you get what you can. And that's, that's really the the tough part about having a player with a no trade clause is, you know, and that's where he wanted to go. So. Hmm. I mean, they at least had conversations. Kings did. That's yeah, intriguing. I mean, he, he gave him a Why collection not? of names and, and look, the wizards could have said, we're not going to trade you and run it back. But they all knew that they didn't want him back there with the money he's, he's going to make later on down the road. So um, this is uh this, this is just, it is what it is. And, yeah, it's tough to see him go walk over to a team that and just absolutely load them up and load up the Western Conference, but the Washington Wizards play in the East, so that's true. You didn't give them to a team that uh, contends with you. It's also possible that they don't know that uh, they have no shot at Victor Wembanyama in next year's draft. Like, sorry, it's already over. Um, okay, uh, Sean, do you have any final thoughts? Final thoughts, I think, would be uh, yeah, I actually. Look, the California class, we have the draft tomorrow. It's going to get to see these two knuckleheads in person, which will be fun. 
um, the uh, if you we're gonna have California Classic right after that. But if you want to take a look at some summer league basketball with some uh, former NBA, not former, but kind of fringe line NBA players, a lot of G League, a lot of overseas talent, and you know if you caught up with if you kept up with a lot of Sac State guys, they tend to play in this tournament as well or this league as well. Uh, I say it every year. It's the Sac Pro Developmental League. Uh, it's out in Elk Grove at a place called Rex and Margaret Fortune Education Complex. It's just basically you don't go down Elk Grove Boulevard, uh, turn onto Bighorn, and head towards the country. <laughs> so uh, you pass through White Lock, and it's right out there. Um, you'll see a lot of familiar faces out there. I was out there tonight. It was kind of fun seeing um, the likes of Lance Woods and Tony Roberts, two local comics who are touring on the national scene and um everyone kind of a lot of people come out and check out some talent and there's good talent to be had out there and christian terrell who was on the king summer league team last year and uh was on stockton kings is, is a part of it and you know we heard about uh zach chappelle who was a uh, former sac state as well who tried out for the kings a pre-draft workout he might be a guy you'll see at summer league and a lot of these guys will end up on summer league rosters i know fabian white who um trains locally here as well He'll be on the Cleveland Cavaliers summer league roster. So a lot of a uh, lot of talent that's out there. Marcus Graves, another Sac State product, who is on the G League team of the Bucks uh, and has bounced around a little bit. Former Stockton Kings. So if you want to scratch that basketball itch, that's where I would go. And it goes on till uh, well, it's tomorrow and Friday are the last two days. So wasn't able hmm. to get it out. Did get a mention last week, so I forgot about it. Oh yeah, I mean you normally mention it, and I, as yeah. soon as you started talking, I'm like, oh yeah, I didn't mention that this year. Um, <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, okay. So final thoughts. Number one, don't lose your head. No matter what happens tomorrow, uh, like we'll help walk you through it. Maybe we'll pull out on Friday. Um, you know, we'll, we'll figure something out to help get through whatever happens tomorrow with the Sacramento Kings. There's a high likelihood that, that nothing happens and they just sit at 24 and then do you get to 38 and they sell it and you get to 54 and it's already sold to, and everyone's sitting there like what just happened? Um, just kind of like play it out. Like this is going to be a wild, like 10 days of, of Kings basketball. Um, I, I believe so, um, leading up to, you know, the, the June 30th start of free agency, it's going to be pretty crazy. Get your California classic tickets. Like Sean said, um, Victor Wimanyama very well could play at the Cal classic. We do not know yet, but he's um, saying he's going to play in summer league. And, uh, I know my son got tickets. Um, we got like it you know, we bought pre-sale tickets and he went on and got five tickets for him and his buddies, like six rows behind the visiting bench in case woman Yama's there. Um, so they can watch him even if he's not playing. So, uh, get your tickets. Uh, it's a great event. Uh, number two, don't swim in the river. I don't know how many times I'm going to keep saying this, but, um, at least two more drown this week. Uh, swim Where in the river. Uh, it, it, even that doesn't help you. The river's too fast. It's too cold. And there's too much, uh, too many tree branches and stuff have been blown down river because of all the water and that's hiding underneath. And so even a, uh, a swim vest can get you hung up on something. So don't go in the river this year. Um, just stay alive, people stay alive. Um, outside of that, uh, yeah, it's going to be a good couple of weeks here. We're going to keep, uh, doing coverage. I am actually leaving Saturday morning to go on vacation. Um, but I'm bringing my laptop with me and we'll do a pod next week. Um, from my remote location in uh, in Mexico, somewhere in the beautiful country of Mexico. Um, so, souvenir brought back. 
Mine yeah, maybe I'll get you a shot glass or a or a okay. t-shirt, Sean. I'll put that. No, not a t-shirt, but I'll get. I'll put the shot glass to 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 use. That's for sure. All right, Brendan, do you need anything from Mexico? I'll take shot glass, I guess. Uh, there we go. Okay, and new someone says right here. Oh, he got a new car. He already got his new car. Let's that's right. Yeah. Have, but... uh, someone says avoid carbon monoxide in Mexico. It's it's crazy. I guess that's an issue. So basically, they. They built their uh, a lot of these buildings, a lot of the hotels and stuff, too airtight. And so when leaks happen, um, the buildings don't breathe like a normal building, like a normal house in the United States or apartment or a hotel room. And so there have been a, a couple of people who have died of carbon monoxide poisoning. And so we actually have uh, my wife's friend was freaking out about it. So we have we are bringing carbon monoxide uh, sensors with us to Mexico. Adam Fox with the great pull of Andy and Red. He's not going to Zihuatanejo. Brandon no. gets none of these references. It's from no, Shawshank no. Redemption. You don't know Shawshank oh, Redemption. Shawshank Redemption, but I oh shit! Okay, really? It's, it's... Listen, I made a movie reference earlier in this pod. I've reached my limit. Okay. Oh, which one? Did, what did you say? I said Ron Burgundy. Oh, no. that's okay. That'll work. Oh, he did. Okay. All right. He did. I, I forgot. He did do Ron Burgundy reference. Oh, well, yeah. We have to like put like a number up on the board for Brendan. He's, job, buddy. he's now on the good job. Guys proud. Yeah. So proud. There you go. <laughs> <laughs> um, all right. Well, that's going to do it for this edition of the Kingsby podcast. Make sure that if you're still watching, give us a thumbs up, subscribe to the channel, jump on board with the Kings beat, go to the Kingsbeat.com, become a premium subscriber. So you get all of our content here at the Kings beat. Um, and, uh, hold on. We're, we're going to be like here nonstop. It's going to be a crazy next two weeks and, uh, it should be a lot of fun. And, uh, so stick around, get a bunch of coverage from us here at the King's Beat. So for box 40, Sean Cunningham and Brendan Nunes from the King's Pulse podcast. And Chris Tavares. And Chris Tavares, who's sitting right around waving in the, in the background. There's Chris Tavares <laughs> with his good hair. Um, <laughs> I am James Ham. Look at those socks. Oh, what's he got? Oh, they're blue. Two sh two shades of blue. Blue uh, uh, polka dots. Polka dots. Some pink polka I, dots. I got uh, trophy husband socks for uh, for Father's Day. Nice. Yeah, I'll wear them. I'll wear them tomorrow for draft coverage. <laughs> or maybe I won't. Maybe I'll I'll wear shorts. Um, no, don't do that. We've seen that already. We don't need to see that again. There's nothing. I mean, it's blind it's us. I have two choices, really white or really red. So that's that's the two choices for the legs. Uh, all right, so I am James Hammond, Kings Insider for ESPN 1320 and the Kings Beat. We'll see you very soon. <laughs>